Hello, and welcome to a podcast. Yes, we're still doing that bit. Uh, I am Mitchell Regan, and joining me, after she has explained to everyone how she got those scars, is Teresa Stoddard. Hey, guys. Teresa, I got a question for you. I may have an answer. Why are you so serious? I really don't want to know. <laughs> I'm wielding a knife now, about to show you how it, how it happened to me, how it will happen to you. That is terrifying. Well, if you haven't guessed it by now, today we are going to be discussing the Christopher Nolan trilogy of The Dark Knight, because what's going on on September 16th, Teresa? September 16th is Batman Day! Batman Day! So, it's like like free comic book day, but it's only Batman, so if that doesn't work for you, then leave. I don't know. Um, It's a free comic book. You can use use it as kindling. You can use it to line your, your cages for your animals. Um, you could make serial killer letters and send them off. You can make ransom letters. Or, or I mean, this is a crazy it. idea. You could read it. Yeah. You could enjoy the fact that Batman um, is one of the greatest fiction ca- characters to ever exist. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger back in 1939. Um... And you can enjoy some special things in your local comic book shop, such as uh, free and special edition comics, um, along with, at the movies, there will be um, a showing of the trilogy that started way back, I believe, in 2006 with Batman Begins, actually 2005, and then The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, wait, baby. And then 2012. 2012. So I in, know years. Woo, that's how time works. So in preparation of Batman Day, um, and also for our scheduled interview afterward with uh, young adult sci-fi author and creator of all sorts of wonderful things you'll find out about later on, George Soroy. So you're saying that he's a certified young adult? I'm saying he's a certified <laughs> sci-fi young adult. Writer and he's author. He's a young science fellow, if you will. Um, but we'll have a wonderful interview with him that we've already done. Uh, but th- through the magic of podcasting, you'll hear later. Um, it's wonderful, and you'll enjoy it. Uh, we had so much fun. We did. And he's, he's a great guest. Fantastic. Any chance you have to interact with any of his work? Um, Including one of his, uh, eventually will be a trilogy of his Excelsior, Excelsior series. Uh, he's also, his podcast, Excelsior Journey, does something similar to what we're doing, which is take creators that are maybe lesser known or well known and give them a platform to talk about themselves. He's also starting this really exciting journey into audio audiobook, plays. Yeah. Uh, where he's taking people who have screen wrote audio plays and um I thought he was the one that screen wrote the audio play. His first one he already completed. Um 
but he's also taking suggestions from other people. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you have one, uh, a great place to reach him is at his website, which is... I've got I've got him. Um, I believe it's... I've got it. I've got it. Because you know. By George. Uh, again, sorry. Um, that website... Just to make sure I have it for everyone. Is um, this is great air. Well, it looks like we're filling it perfectly. Uh, his website is he's got it. Oh, he's got it. He's got it.com. So if you have any, it is a really great site and you find out more about him. But also if you have any audio screenplays, audio, not screenplays, but but audio plays, you're willing to do the work, right? You can't have seven hours. You got to get it down to one in special cases. They'd work. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so you can't be too precious with this. You've got to kill your darlings. Now, don't just go deleting things and being sad. Cut and paste. Put it into your work-in-progress graveyard and come back to it again. Don't also, it right now. if it's something that you are interested in doing and want to find out more about it, I'd definitely stick around for our interview later because... It is one of the main things he discusses. Yes, George is an absolute wealth of knowledge. As far as um, how to get started with screenwriting and writing. and um, Like I said, you don't want to miss the interview at the end of the podcast. But what we're going to talk about beforehand is our um, opinions, thoughts, feelings, feelings, on the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Uh, so if you... I'm just going to do a broad spectrum. There's going to be spoilers. The SPF of, is 100, folks. Uh, if you haven't somehow seen the Dark Knight trilogy, it's airing right now on Max. A matter of fact, on September 16th on Batman Day, Max is going to dedicate a specific tab for anything Batman-related. So that also will include... Like the some of the earlier movies. Some get your of, bat signal, get your batarangs, yes. get your low voices. Yes. Yeah, make sure you're not wearing a hockey mask. Or, if you want, dress up as somebody Marvel and fight some Batman people. No, we're not going to encourage Don't them. do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, so here is your spoiler warning. This movie is the last movie that got released is now over a decade old. So if you have not seen Batman, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Thank you, I guess. Um, but if you want to stick around for the interview later, that's fine. Although we also get into it pretty heavy with it. Uh, we might go movie by movie. We might just talk about the whole trilogy as a whole. Uh, but we just want to express our thoughts and feelings. 
um, with the whole franchise. So I'm going to start off from here on out. Spoilers about all of Batman. This might even cover the comic books itself. Um, cause I've read a couple, uh, that I would shout out maybe towards the end of our discussion. Um, as far as really good places to really good places to look at as far as like, if you're joining Batman for the first time in the comic book world, but I'm going to start with, um, Teresa. How did you feel about, cause we, we just rewatched the whole trilogy over the past week. We did. Um, so revisiting it after so long, um, what did you think about the series? All right, so I do have a story I'm going to tell later on. Um, oh yeah, it's in the interview, right? Yes, but it, it it's funny, so you know, stick around. But um, I really liked Batman Begins. It might be my favorite of the trilogy. Really? Well, I do think that the Dark Knight. Um, it's probably, you know, a better film. I like, I feel like the first is darker and creepier. Like, Scarecrow and Batman, like, they're just, it's, it's so, just, it's just darker. Like, it, it reads a little, like, horror movie at that time, which I really enjoyed. Um... So, talking about Batman Begins, um, how did you like, because it's, and we'll talk about this later on in the interview, I don't want to keep saying it every time, but check, stick around for that, but we talk about like what uh, the encapsulation of a trilogy usually covers, but in this case specifically, it's Batman's origin story. How do you think Batman Begins did with the way they told how you know, Bruce Wayne became Batman. How do you think they handled the the start of that, the origin of that? All of, everybody knows how it happens. Rules back alley. Yes. Like, man, don't wait. Do not, if you're going to a back alley, do not wear a string of pearls. You just, just, no. It's just, it's just happening, like, it will set forth things. Well, honestly, don't go see an opera. I mean, like, that certainly <laughs> seems to be the... Why did they even bring him in the first place? Come on. No, we're not parent-shaming here. This is all down to the bad guys, not that, but or, no. Or no parent-shaming. <laughs> it does get to that. Um, but yeah. No, but how do you think that, that the movie handled Batman for as an origin story? Because there have been plenty of different reiterations and re-reiterations. So, How do you think that Batman Begins did? I liked it. I think it did a good job. Um, did you like the, the whole League of Shadows thing? Eh. That was kind of... It feels a little bloated, I think. Really? Yeah. What about the whole idea where... Um, he kind of, um, you, you find out that he his fear are bats, and he learns to embrace his fear in order to inflict upon others. What do you think about that as like a philosophical foundation of the Batman origin story? Well, you're not going to get through it unless you 
you know, you can face your fears. You're not going to go through the feelings without feeling them. That work is hard. Batman did the shadow work to work in the shadows. That may be the best line anyone has ever said ever. Um, don't give me that look. And um, no, I think they did a good job. I still like the whole idea that uh, a man rather beat up criminals and dress up as a bat therapy. than go to therapy. Um, but no, in all sincerity, I guess what I'm asking is like, you've seen other superhero movies. Like, think about Iron Man. Think about Black Panther. Think about Captain America. Think about Spider-Man. Right? And the way they did their origin stories. How do you think Batman Begins holds up holding up against theirs? I'm a sucker for a Spider-Man origin story. I wouldn't say he's no, more... Are you really like... into dead uncles? Shh. It's my <laughs> secret. Yeah, sure, people. I do like to call them dunkles, though. Do we also just really enjoy... Um, I like getting bit by a spider. Uh... I like quirky little high school kid that's like, what's happening with my life? Oh no, is this puberty? Oh shit, no, I'm a Spider-Man. Do we also just really want to hear the line about responsibility? Yeah. And power. Yeah. And the greatness of the power. So as far as origin stories, I don't <laughs> think that that's the strongest suit of this. I just think it's it does it well. But I okay. wouldn't say it's my favorite origin story. I wouldn't say... What would be? Do you think Spider-Man? Do you remember the Sam Raimi Spider-Man? Like the Tobey Maguire one? Yeah. Did you like... Do you remember... I know that's that's been a while, probably for you. But do you remember liking that one more... I don't know about more, but I just like every iteration of the Spider-Man origin story. Even if the films are trash, they get that origin story on point. That's something they're very good at. I don't think any real Spider-Man movie is trash, except for Spider-Man 3 and maybe Amazing Spider-Man 2. But I have a question. So, like, I feel like that the... um, There's kind of been a... Well, also, desire... let's not mistake it. I'm a Marvel girl. I totally get that, Jean Grey, but um, there's kind of, talking about Marvel, there's kind of been a big push to push away from your typical, this is how they get powers and all that, and just kind of start in the middle. Well, that's how a lot of people like in media res, that's how you're supposed to start a novel. You want to go straight into the action, you're in the middle, you're going to catch them up, but you're gonna like, so okay so in media res would be starting in the second one so that would be starting on the Dark, dark Knight which we'll talk about next. but the other Batman Begins does go and go before that so um now what I would have liked to see is the Dark Knight and then Batman Begins go back and show before. And then we'll catch back up again in the third one and get from real time on. I think structuring so very it like that Godfather. way. Yeah, however you want to call it. I think that Batman Begins would have been stronger as a second. Really? And that Dark Knight could easily, easily, easily hold that first. I do apologize. You're getting jostled around there. I got too excited. Um, <laughs> that I think that they might be better in that order. I also think, I would agree with you specifically about one specific aspect of it, 
And that's because they bring back the League of Shadows in the third movie with the tie-in to Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Um, Ra's al Ghul just sounds like a Lord of the Rings name. It's definitely been a Batman name. Before. It's actually been a Batman name before Lord of the Rings. Which is incredible to say that something's existed before Lord of the Rings. Right. But I, th- I believe that it's existed before. Or if not, like, in tandem. Um, going back to... Uh, it just begins just for a little bit uh, before moving on to the other films. Uh, what? So you said you said it, it might be your favorite out of the three. What? What about it makes it your favorite? Just how dark it is. So you like kind of the just, more dipping into the it's... more dipping into the horror aspects. Because with the Joker, it's more playful, but with Scarecrow, it's just like well, like we talked about, like a big theme of it was the. Um, relationship between Batman and Joker. Well, no, that's that's where Dark Knight. I'm no, talking no. about specifically begins, and you're talking about the horror elements. A big theme of it is the relationship between, like, embracing your fear to overcoming it. And so it would make sense that they would lean more into the fear aspect of it. I was going to ask you just because maybe you might have. I think the fear have... is helpful in that movie. I would. I was going to ask you though. Because we've seen it rather recently, because it came out rather recently, but the new The Batman movie uh, completely dispensed with all aspects of doing an origin story. Did you prefer it that kind of way? Yes and no. I do think that it was a refreshing take to just kind of skip it and be like, we know this. I don't need to do the whole song and dance. But on the other hand, I kind of want the song and dance. So I would be interested to see how that would have played out with an origin story. So do with you, the Rob Pat Bat. So do you think maybe one of the things that they'll do with this new, uh, whether it's a trilogy, I know there's definitely going to be a second movie. There's no way they're not going to be a second movie. Do you think maybe that what they wind up doing is the second one, maybe while it is a sequel, they're going to go back and talk about the origin to the Batman? So in Perfect World, yes, because that's kind of what I'm speaking about. That's what I'm getting to. Batman Begins needs to be the second. Dark, uh, the Dark Knight needs to be the first. So, okay, Batman will be the first. That's your Dark Knight. And then we'll get into it. Get some backstory. Get that origin or- Sorry. Origin story. Sorry, I'm very excited and <laughs> then I'd love to see how they finish that off with the third okay now yeah, is this like, about, like a trilogy I don't know I know Matt Reeves who's did this recent one um the one that had Robert Pattinson in it and they had the Riddler and which was an interesting because we hadn't seen the Riddler since uh like I think 94 95 when they did Batman Forever. Um, I be- I know that there's going to be a sequel. I know the setup is that they want the Joker in the second movie, but I wonder if that, you know, since they skipped the origin story, I wonder if that's something that they try to do with the second one. Uh, but more back to begin. So you said you one of the big things is you like that. What did you think? Because I'm not, I'm not 100% sure... If you remember all of the different actors who portrayed Batman and Bruce Wayne, 
but what do you think of uh, Christian Bale's portrayal? Not my favorite Batman. Okay. Um, do you know who is? So, just to go over all of the Batmans. I would say back when Tim Burton was playing. Okay. So, like the original, well, not original, original, because the original one would be all the way back with the original television series with Adam West, but it was Michael Keaton your favorite Batman then? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by Pattinson's Batman, but me too. I haven't spent enough time with him to know if he's my Batman. Same here. Um, so obviously there's there's been well, Bat- Christian Bale. I there's... think he does a good job, but I still don't feel like the jaw structure is right for me. I have a very maybe maybe it should have been saved for like a a controversial take, but um, there's also Batfleck. There's Val I, Kilmer. I, I do like Batfleck. So that's what I was gonna say. Now I'm not crazy about any of the films he's in, but if it's I think jawline, he encapsulated that... Batman so well. I agree, and I think so many people were like, oh, it's Ben Affleck doing a Batman impersonation, but I really think he is a good one. Now, so, in my opinion... Now, Bruce Wayne, I really do love Christian Bale. That's what he I was going to say. perfect, perfect, perfect. I... Now, I don't like Rob Pattinson. Sorry. You don't like Robert Pattinson? Because I think as, the way as Bruce, Bruce Wayne... Because I think the way that every other actor has portrayed Batman is that they've made Bruce Wayne be the character and Batman is their alter ego. I think the way that the Robert Pattinson Batman is played is Batman is the character and Bruce Wayne is and his now alter Shemiel ego. And now kind of did that as well. Maybe more towards the end yes. of the third, which we'll get to the third one. Um, was there any other things? How did you think? Because he was like, I play an eccentric billionaire. Right, right. And I like how, just as like a parallel, just because this is the, the the last movie that came out, the Matt Reeves Batman, I like how a lot of the... I like how Catwoman in both iterations of the Christopher Nolan one and this one was like a great um, foil for well, the Batman character. I can't even remember the Catwoman in the Rob Pat movie. How? Because all I can think about right now is in Hathaway as Catwoman. Yeah, but but I mean like like, oh my god. We'll get to that. So good. So good. But how could you forget Zoe Kravitz's performance? She is amazing in that she movie. She is amazing in that movie. And I'm not saying that's not taking anything from Anna Hathaway. But, but now I think... that me- jogged my memory there. But Zoe Kravitz, there's so many times when um, she just is like, like, I know who you are. Just the same way with with, uh, Anne Hathaway's performance. Um, But, like, in both ways, she sees him as Batman. And the other person he plays is is Bruce Wayne. I just want the Covenant Catwoman. Just... Uh, the, the, the 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 uni- the bat the the extended the Catwoman you don't universe. Shellfire is pretty good. It was not the, who I was talking about. The, yeah, that one was unfortunate. Unfortunate. That would be a fun one to do if we did a podcast where we had to do like a really bad movie that we had to criticize. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah. So, what did you think of? Uh, oh, what what do you think of uh, the old man, Gary Oldman, as uh, Jim Gordon? Perfection. Yeah. I don't think you can top that. He is Gordon. Yeah, he really is. What do you his think? His mustache, his face, just everything. And the Harley Quinn show, you can tell, is like, that's their Jim Gordon. Right, right. It's like a joke on, I think yes. I think it's really a joke on the portrayal that Gary Oldman does. Like, what if he was like a, a more ridiculous characterization of his character? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think of uh, Michael Caine as Alfred? I love him. He's so good. He's so sweet. Um, and then I, what do you think? This will be an easy one for you. What do you think of Cillian Murphy? <laughs> oh my god, when Batman just yeets him, just uh, picks him up and just yeets him into, like, stone steps, I was like, was he dead? No, I always love Cillian Murphy. Um, How do you think he did as uh, Scarecrow? I really like his performance. I think it's really good. I think one of my favorite line reads is, uh, when, uh, they're in that like abandoned warehouse where they're like making the drugs and the lights go out and he's like, oh, "There he is, the Batman." <laughs> the way he says it is just like they so read, unhinged. Like, they're they're reading like they're auditioning for a Marvel role, or or DC maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, what do you think of uh, Morgan Freeman's um, Lucius Fox? He's good. I was just I'd say it was a solid performance. Was it a standout? I don't really think so. Well, he's also like the eighth or ninth person yeah, in that like, movie. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm here to get you stuff. That's it. Did you have a preference on the Rachel Dawes? Like, whether you like Katie Holmes more or Maggie Gyllenhaal? Katie Holmes. You like Katie Holmes yeah. more? What about you? I, I, I think I like Maggie Gyllenhaal more. But I also, I don't know if her performance is better. What I mean is, like, I don't know if her character is better in The Dark Knight. But I think, as a performer, she's a better performer than Katie Holmes. Um, well, I need to help the mom, so from the time I met your mother. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, what do you think of uh, Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul? Like, as a, as a enemy for Batman in the first one. Very cool, like Liam Neeson. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, according to certain podcast interviews that he's done where he's said uh, some not great things about. He's an enemy of Yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to say about uh, The Begins or anything like that? No. Um, I think it's the best watch out of the three. Um, I had the most fun watching that one. Um, not just say dark. I think Dark Knight just is too into just crashing into the side of buildings. Like that's their Christmas. They're just like, can I crash into another building? One thing what I will if I crash say, into another building. One thing I do I will say is I think Batman Begins might have the best pacing out of all the movies, where it doesn't feel like that there's really any moment where, and that doesn't mean it has to be done with just action sequences. Yeah, it takes its time, but like, but it, it feels like it's all even. Time. Like, we'll talk about one of the movies in this trilogy where you definitely feel the hour. Like, you're just like, okay, so when when do we get back? When do we, 
when does this continue back on? You know. Um, so you said Batman Begins is your favorite, yep. but you recognize Dark Knight as a, the more well-made movie. Correct. Why do you say that? Just look at it. No. <laughs> oh, that's really easy to do on a on a audio platforming. But no, no. What what is it about it? question it's just it just feels so solid and seamless and it looks so great and would, it's just like you're in it you're would, wasting no time would you talk about it's like do you think maybe a big reason why especially after all these years it's been 15 years since it's been out um would wow. you yeah yeah <laughs> Would you say, like, one big thing is because of the influence that the movies had on other movies? So that is not... I'm just thinking more from, like, a technical... Like, the, the craft itself. Yes. So and while well it, it will have up. the influence, while it will hold up, that wasn't my main, like, concern with it. I think I think one of the biggest reasons why it's usually heralded as the best... And we'll it's talk about this in an interview. It's followed by the Dark Knight. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. That's not the reason why. I think it's because if you have a great film, like a good film, is something that has a decent story. You're able to be entertained throughout. You know, like it grabs your attention. You still. I think a great film always has like a nuclear, gigantic, like gravitational pull performance centered around it and I think no one would anyone who's ever seen The Dark Knight would ever leave going yeah that Joker performance was just kind of meh and I think one of the reasons why this movie just winds up pulling everyone well, in it's because of the Heath Ledger performance he was connected to Joker on a very dangerous level Right, like I mean, this it took his really life. Him. Well, it took his life. Yes, this. But I mean, I mean, that's that's horrible, and people should always seek help. But I think that that is a major reason why this is usually regarded as the top of the top with the superhero genre. Yes, but also like, I know it's very morbid to say, but that makes the performance one of the best ever. To transform to this I know method acting is a thing but to be to be so immersed and now this was back when we didn't know quite how bad this can mess you up like method acting it's not new but right the effects they didn't really understand well, I feel like there's also been a lot more of a positive talk about mental health yeah like making sure you're taking breaks you're taking yourself right. out of it like because your brain will start to believe that you're this man. So separating, you know, the tragedy from the performance, where posthumously he won an Oscar for it. It's the only movie. I think it's the only movie to win an acting performance. No, there's also been the Joker by Joaquin Phoenix, which is a we're not talking about that one. So we're not talking about that one. Joker's just gonna die to get an Oscar. He didn't die. Die. Phoenix is very much alive. <laughs> Um, anyway, talking about The Dark Knight, I think one of the things that also benefits the film immensely is 
Now, Begins has a lot of things to do because it's setting up the movie. And then we're going to definitely talk about Dark Knight Rises, maybe unfortunately, but we're going to talk about Dark Knight Rises, which is not a bad movie. It's just not as good as the other two. And it could have been so much better if they would have snipped about 45 minutes off of it. And one of the reasons why Especially I think the Dark Knight... Especially climbing up that damn pit. Yeah. One of the things, the reasons why the Dark Knight is so well done is it's essentially just a three-hander. It really is only about three different people. And it doesn't feel long. No. I don't know the runtime exact for, you know... There are some aspects that I, I wish that they didn't do. Like, I, I'm i not a big fan of the the whole set piece where it's the two people, the two boats, the two ferry boats, and then the, the, the criminals have to decide whether or not... Oh yeah, that was they that's so the, arbitrary, right? And, and it's well so played out. And... Uh, matter of fact, I think one of the things that works better in Rises than the Dark Knight is I feel like that the criminal plan is actually better. Um, like that's a much better of like eat the rich and like um, you know fuck capitalism. Stuff. You know, we are always hungry for the rich over here. But, uh, go back to Dark Knight. I love um, that it really is it's all centered around Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne and Batman, Heath Ledger as Joker, and Aaron Eckhart as both Harvey Dent and Two-Face. And that's really what the whole movie is. Like, except for, like, again, like, the silly boat scene, it goes by so quickly because there's only scenes with those three people. Like, it's not like, oh, let's introduce a whole other character, and another one, and then let's give you a twist at the end. Well, which... some people really enjoy a very large cast list. They want lots of moving parts, but I am a fan of two to four people carrying everything. Right. In any media I have, when I write, it's very up close, it's very personal, it's one, two, three people. It is very much what's going on with them and not so much the world as a whole. Right. But what's going on in their world. Also, like, I just want to show you a magic trick. Yeah. It's just such a great introduction. And I, I think that this, this movie did such a great job of creating an antagonist for Christian Bale's Batman, where, like, it's so much about his code and his code where he just won't go all the way. And the Joker's whole character is that's all I want to do yeah. is go all the way. And just how much like they need each other. So Batman is a service dog. <laughs> and then the Joker is like the most just unhinged puppy. Yeah. That like Jasper. Before he grew up a little, was very Joker or, or dog. Okay. okay, I know they don't know, yeah. but uh, it's my sister's dog, a field service dog, but a good boy. Yes, he is a good boy. Hi, Jasper. Hope you're listening. Um. So, is there anything else you wanted to say? There's like a billion things I could say about the Dark Knight. So, what is your favorite part of the Dark Knight? That's. Um, kind of unfair. Right. No, because because there could be so many. Well, I love, and we'll talk about this later on in the interview. 
we have because uh, we were lucky enough to have George Soroy who covers um, like specific screenwriting in a series that he worked on and he'll talk about in the interview. Uh, but his, his his favorite scene that he talked about, uh, I'm not going to use, and I'll wait for him to talk about that. Uh, I'm going to say I, I love, just because it's just just amazing, the, the chase sequence that happens when um, Harvey Dent surrenders himself as Batman, and then he goes to gets goes to police custody and then they um chase him down and by they i mean like the joker and then batman comes to uh rescue them and then you don't realize that jim gordon had been there the whole time um i think that the effects that they do holds up incredibly well uh, especially because so much of it are practical effects I think it really emphasizes just the the chaotic genius of the Joker, where um, you know, like once he's finally uh, kind of gotten his due, you think he's finally um, bested. He's just he just wants to see if the Batman will kill him. Like he just wants to see if Batman will. Like I'll, I'll never forget just like him coming out of the car and just like uh <laughs> shooting his machine gun and like stumbling everywhere like it's insane and he's just like he just wants to get hit he just wants batman to hit him he's like come on hit me hit me um i also love the surprise that uh jim gordon's the one who kind of saves him uh batman that is at the end uh because you know the whole time you think uh, he's been killed. Um, I also really like the... Um, I, I think it, it really showcases that like the whole, whole Batman is a, uses all of his gadgets to get him out of a bind because it takes that... Um, the Batmobile that was kind of introduced in the first movie and then you get the, the really popular uh, motorcycle that comes out of a result of the but yeah, that chase sequence, so I, good. I think, is my favorite scene because it doesn't matter how cool chase scene has like eighteen thousand movies. Uh-huh. It's like people are just like, you know what? Yeah, it's well, kind of fun. Hilariously, I think. To, you know, I know we're only talking about the the Christopher Nolan series, but I think the best the best sequence in Batman, uh, the Matt Reeves one that came out was the last year when it came out a few years ago. Around. <laughs> um, I think the best sequence in that movie is the chase sequence. Yes. When it feels like the car is coming alive and it's just it's so good. Um, but no, I, I love that. Um. And I, honestly, I love almost any scene that um, Heath Ledger is in. Um, the one thing, and then it's really apparent in the last movie that we're going go to go move to discuss. It's hard to argue that Heath Ledger is in it because that is the Joker. Right. And then there's also like so many scenes where... Piloting the body of Heath Ledger. There's so many scenes where like he improvises things that weren't in the script. That like when uh, 
Gordon gets named as commissioner, and he just starts clapping from the uh, prison cell without like showing any emotion whatsoever. Oh, like those are pan. things. Yeah, those are just things that are that he just added to the character. Um, I just thought that, uh, you know, I personally this is my favorite. It, it might even be in my top ten of favorite movies of all time. I could watch it any day, any time. I think it's incredible. Um, now, the whole series or just The Dark Knight? The Dark Knight. Okay. Not the whole series. You want to watch Dark Knight Rises over and over and over I'm again? I'm watching Dark Knight Rises not over and over again. Um, Once every decade will work. <laughs> that's fair. Um, if there's anything else, I, I can't think of anything else to say about no, Dark Knight. I think we've really covered uh, our bases. This has been fun. Um, so, we're not going to just pile on. Yeah, we want to we want to talk about it as a, it is, it is something that someone did. and it's No, not, I don't think it's bad. I just think that it could have. I think it pales in comparison. I think it needs to be shorter and um, a little more succinct. Uh, it needs more of a vision of what's happening versus just what, what happened. Um, so well said. They're just excited. They're showy. They're look what I can do. They're like, we've earned this. And yes, you have. But in that you've kind of let it down. You've kind of failed a little in that aspect. And with that, I want to bring upon everyone's favorite part of um, our podcast. And that's talking about the finances of everything, <laughs> the stats, because I want to explain the story of what it was like to get into Dark Knight Rises and how it felt at that time. Because when Batman Begins premiered 2005, it only made three hundred thirty-six million, sorry, three hundred fifty-six million worldwide, which for a movie of that size is Barbie Whoop. beat The Dark Knight. Yeah, just recently, as far as like the biggest movie to come out, I think within the month of July, uh, The Dark Knight made over one million dollars. Um, and so that's the, you have Batman Begins with 356 million, and then you have Dark Knight with a million, I mean a billion, with a B, and the Dark Knight Rises, because so many people anticipated it, also made over a billion. But the thing is, I think it was that specific aspect of the pressure of, you you have Heath Ledger's Joker the, the actual actor dying and then trying them deciding that they didn't want to reprise the role. You have a movie stuffed with Christian Bale, Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, Anne Hathaway, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Marion Cotillard. Anne Hathaway steals the movie. Morgan Freeman. We'll get to that. Michael Caine. Aiden Gillen. Ben Mendelsohn. What I'm saying is they put a lot of people in it and it wasn't just the three-hander like previously. I think... There's that. at least five or six people that they really, they really uh, tried making the movie about, and yeah, I think it suffered from that. I think the whole, the whole them trying to create a love triangle with Miranda Tate's character and Selena. You already know how I feel about Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in Dark Knight Rises, which if you're not Teresa, you don't know how I feel about it. I think <laughs> you can make that movie, not have his character. And the movie is doesn't change. change. Doesn't change at all. 
Not to mention the fact that he's like plot Jesus. He's a great actor. But he is a great this, actor. This isn't it. Um, now, if they wanted to make it about him and him becoming I Robin, that would have been so cool. Oh my gosh, at the end was so cringe. But, yeah. Just go by your name. Robin. <laughs> but So if they wanted to make that movie about him becoming Robin, that would have been great. If they wanted to make the movie about Bane being a crazy, great supervillain, that would be great. If they wanted to make it, which they should have made it, about Batman and Catwoman and like reforming and what it's really like to be a hero, even though you're seen as a villain, that would have been great. That should have been the movie. But the fact that they try to make it that, plus the twist at the end where Miranda Tate was really Ra's al Ghul's daughter the whole time. Yeah, they want to eat their cake. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. And their they've, ice cream and brownies and cookies. They've got cherries on top, whipped cream, but at some point it's just when you have so much stuff like that, you just end with a bad taste in your mouth. Right. It's not the yummy treat that you thought you were gonna get. It's overindulgent and it's not right. worth it. It doesn't make it feel special. It also makes it feel like you just have Stomach acid. <laughs> yes, you're gonna you get up indigestion. All night. You're gonna your tummy's gonna kill you. It's just it's just you're doing too much. Let's calm down, let's focus, bring things back here, get down to what it should be. And that's so hard for people to do because when you create something, you want every little aspect. You wrote so many good scenes, you you wrote it, it's perfect, it's wonderful. Yes, okay, this scene two, this scene two. Oh, I found how I can tie all of these scenes together. But you've just got to, got to, I'm going to say it over and over again, you've got to kill your darlings. You've got to put it away. You've got to edit, 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 edit. Right. And so I think it's a movie that, because The Dark Knight was so both successful from a, commercial success and also so successful from a critical success i feel like there was so much pressure to make this the greatest movie that's ever existed of all time i remember every single trailer just digging through every single trailer seeing oh what's this thing here what's the oh is this about this and this about this and oh is joseph gordon levitt gonna be robin oh anne hathaway is catwoman oh oh you know like what are they gonna do with bane and oh that's cool and and then watching the movie, now when I saw it, I watched it at midnight, and I personally was, I I was disappointed. I was hoping for a better movie. Rewatching it again, I still feel the same way, and I feel also that uh, screenwriting wise, it, it's a movie that just feels like a bunch of catchphrases. Like it, it doesn't feel like really much much happens other than. Catchphrase, catchphrase, cool scene, catchphrase, yes, catchphrase. These, these aren't human conversations. Right. These are character conversations. Right. These are written for you. Meanwhile, because the performances are so good with Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, like you could believe as as goofy as them both dressing up as characters, one person is just an agent of chaos, and the other person just believes in justice. And in this one, it's his just... His own skewed form of justice. Right, his own skewed form, which is true. Um, is there anything you wanted to add to Rises? No, I think we've about covered it. Yeah, I, 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 I just wish that either they took some more time with it, or they didn't really try to surpass. I wish that they just made it its own movie. I think that would have helped so well. Yeah. 
Um, is there any? I think also one thing with Dark Knight Rises, we both agree to this. I think it has the best music in it. Yeah. I think the score for Dark Knight Rises is definitely the best. Um, I think it does a great job building the tension in the movie. I think without the score, I think it's really hard to feel the same way with a lot of the, the impact points. I think it, it does a great job of just like you feeling like you're racing up against the clock and like it's Which well done. makes for a really good viewing. Yeah. If I'm stressed and sweating and freaking out, then you've got me. Yeah. Like that episode of The Bear, that episode of Severance. Like right. if, if something dire is going to happen and it's real time, I'm in it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 ultimately, I think for me, my ranking would be Dark Knight. Um, I think for me, it would be a tier below begins and then a bunch of tiers below <laughs> rises. So are these tiers, are we crying them? Because no, like kind of... what, you know, like <laughs> no, where the levels that they rank. But I, I feel, well, I thought, but my jokes were, were funny. Anyway, um, so your different um, systems of ranking for me would be Dark Knight, kind of a space below Batman Begins, and then way below would be Rises. I've How about for you? Batman Begins first, so obviously. I'll be discuss that. And then I'd say just like touching below it is Dark Knight. Um, and then. Um, Somewhere down there. I don't know how far it goes down. Down, <laughs> in, the, down in the pit. It's still trying to escape. Right, right. The Dark Knight Rises. But yeah, that pit scene. I didn't need all of that. Russia, whatever they're chanting. I, I, I didn't need it. Like, right. I didn't need to see him hit his head on the side of the thing 80 times. I didn't need to see him hanging there. Like, it we was... We needed a good old-fashioned 80s montage is what we needed. Yes. Final countdown. Make it five minutes. Yes, yeah. you could show him like the stuff that happened when he was interacting with other people down there. I'll take that, but just him climbing—that's boring. I do think it is interesting. They could give one climb, one fall, and then one more climb when one more fall, and then he can do it. But like it was so many times. There's... I do think it is interesting though when they try to separate, um. Batman from Gotham and see what how Gotham's able to endure. But besides that, um yeah, I really I really think that that was a miss. Um Yeah, I uh any final parting thoughts on the trilogy in general? No, glad we did this. I'd like to go back and do this with all the different Batmans. Um, we can't, we can't yeah, play I favorites. Um, uh, I think it's a clear favorite. This is the best trilogy. I don't think. Well, we haven't seen what will happen with Rob Patbat. That's true. Oh, by the way, as far as like my favorite Batman, I like the way Affleck looks as Batman. Yeah, um, I like. I like Christian <laughs> Bale. I feel like he's the best Bruce Wayne. I do like Keaton's Bruce Wayne a lot, though. I'm having trouble remembering Remember back that far, right? But I just know that I really liked that Batman. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was really good. Also, I just love Michael Keaton, so it's, yeah, yeah, that helps. Um, 
And I do like Robert Pattinson as Batman, and it's interesting to see what they're doing. But Ben Affleck, aesthetically, was right. the best Bat. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that jawline thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's that. Um, Who's your favorite Batman voice? That is really easy. Um, and it's a little bit sad because he has passed. Out of West? No, uh, Kevin Conroy, the guy who did the animated series. Okay, His so voice is favorite real person voice. He's a real person. I know he's a real person. I mean, like a live action Batman. I also like uh, Will Arnett, who plays so many kind of animated characters, because he's the one who's he's BoJack, BoJack Horseman. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays Batman in Lego Batman. And his voice is great. It, like he has such a great. I feel like you're not grasping the fact. No, no, that I, I'm grasping. I'm just shouting. I'm shouting out other people, <laughs> man. That's all. Um, loving the animation, but I want to talk about corporeal Batman. Maybe Robert Pattinson's voice. I like. I also like Ben Affleck's voice as Batman. I like that he never said "I am Batman." He's just like, "I'm vengeance." I'm vengeance. Yeah. Um. I. I. I I like that Christian Bale made a choice to do the gravelly voice. Like, it was different. I just don't think it was... I don't especially like looking it. back at it, 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 it seems it's silly. It's kind of laughy, yeah. Yeah, it's it like, seems silly. Yeah, oh, I feel like it does... how I sound, because I'm a bat. I feel like it does the opposite of effect that it wanted to do. Where, like, it wanted to just, like, incite fear upon people. It but just it, makes me giggle. Yeah. Now, I would really like to see Nandor as Batman. Well, that actor... Um, but I want him to be Nandor while he's doing it. <laughs> I mean, he already is kind of he's bat, like bat man. Yeah. Um, he's like, I am the Batman. I really don't have anything else to add. Um, I did want to, just because it is Batman Day on September 16th, if you'll indulge me for like three minutes, maybe Max, you could even... I want to talk about uh, a couple of good comics to get into. <laughs> If someone would like to pick one up to get it. Um, my favorite one uh, to get into Batman is a 1987 one by Frank Miller called Batman Year One. Uh, and it is exactly what it describes. It is Batman going in to... Um, now, again, like I said, Bill Finger and Bob Kane... Uh, made Batman, and they originally made him to be a dark counterpoint to Superman, where he actually, like, killed his villains and such. Like, he was pretty... I'll take that. Yeah, he was pretty bad, but um, because of the campiness of the animated series... Not the animated, the, the, the Adam West Batman, um, it the comics became very campy themselves. And so a lot of the golden age era Batman stuff is very like goofy and silly. Um, uh, There are some pretty good detective stories, but it's mostly just like camp at the highest level. So in the 1980s, DC decided that they want to do a, um, like, dark version of a like lot of their door. characters. Yes. And so... Now, I'd be interested in doing that, but I really love that genre. You should... When it's done correctly, because... 
men nor writers can get really a certain way. Yeah, that is true. Well, they what they did was they took Frank Miller, who also did a wonderful pass on, um, uh, gosh, uh, Daredevil. Um, they gave him, um, they had him do a darker version of Batman. And what you get is Batman Year One, which is very similar to The Batman, where, like, he's very, he's not, like, extremely trained, but he wants to, like, beat people up. He wants to incite fear. Um, and he's just learning it. A lot of it also has Catwoman in it, but he's just taking down crime from the, like, organized mob. Um, but yes, I would highly recommend that. It's very well done. Uh, there's actually even an animated version of it on Max. Max has the the whole thing. Someone just reads the comic uh, while the comic is animated. Oh, it's nice. really good, yeah. Um, also, just um, speaking of comics and stuff like this, um, make sure that you're a member of your local library because you can go ahead and they have several apps you can get. Oh, yeah. Hoopla, Libby. Hoopla is great. So you can get at least 10 to, what, 12 comics a month and read them at your own pace. Um, they look great on the tablet. Um, you can also go to your library and check out the graphic novels and all for free. Because I do know that comics and graphic novels can get very expensive, especially when you get up to compendiums and like rarer yeah. um, issues. So that's a way, a low-cost way or a free way, really, to really get into this and you might find something new um well undoubtedly you'll find something new that you might really enjoy so i know that that got you way back into reading again you were just yeah. devouring yeah. there's not a single it. graphic novel in some of these libraries that you haven't read now because mm -hmm. you've just gone through systematically and read everything you can get your hands on right and so i definitely recommend that for you guys 100%. Um, it's a great, great resource. Here's a couple of other ones I'd also and, um, Go ahead. Before I say that, most libraries are going fine free now. So if in the past you owed them money, you can go back, you can get a card, and you can start this whole process. All right. So, and I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, go ahead. This is just another, like, chanting my love for libraries. Libraries are not just for books, they're not just for comic books. You can get movies, you can get. Uh, television shows you can get um like resource books you can even at some libraries um borrow some have like a tool borrowing system some have a craft borrowing area library some have a seed library and um a lot of them have um computers that you can go ahead and use at your disposal and they've got the free wi-fi and everything else. So yeah, just make sure that you're using your libraries because that's what they're there for. Libraries are great. Um, I'm gonna name a couple of ones that you might want to check out at your local library or buy or through those apps. Um, uh, so I already talked about Frank Miller's Year One. Probably like everyone's like goaded graphic novel is The Dark Knight Returns, which is um like a very dark Batman, Superman, like Joker story. 
Um, uh, I would also recommend The Killing Joke by Alan Moore. That one's a little more violent, um, but it's really well done. Uh, Jeff Loeb's The Long Halloween is amazing. Um, again, also tragically, um, The Long Halloween had uh, an amazing illustrator, uh, Tim Sale, who I think has recently passed away. Uh, some of his art in The Long Halloween is just like absolutely legendary. Um, he, uh, yeah, he passed away last June, uh, unfortunately, but, um, you know, obviously I love to give credit not only to the writers, but the, the artists. And I think Batman, uh, the long Halloween has one of the greatest like paneling for artists. Um, there's also Jeff Loeb also wrote, uh, Hush, which is a great, that if you want a scary story. Hush is great. Like, if you want, like, Batman as a horror movie, uh, if you want a really great Batman detective uh, story, uh, there is the Court of Owls series by Scott Snyder, um, which kind of uh, shows Batman being, like, discovering a whole underground society uh, that control, like, almost like a, oh, what's it called? When the group of people who... Yeah, but what are they called? Okay. Like Illuminati kind of thing. Um, they there's also I have not written uh, read this yet, not all of it, but there's a crazy one about like uh bat the Batman who like um laughs, where it's like an alternate universe Batman, and they also have an alternate Justice League, but it's done through the 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 Batman series, um. But yeah, like, uh, Batman Noir Dark Victory is good. Grant Morrison, they did a turn on a couple of ones. Uh, Batman Gothic. Um, Check out yeah. comic book shops. They will lead you in the right direction. They will also do that as well. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Comics Corner for anyone who's interested. I would definitely say that Batman Year One is the best, um, the best start. So if you're like, where do I start? Batman Year One. Um, Real yeah. simple first year. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be my recommendation. Um, but I also have exciting news for us. Yeah, I heard uh, someone might be joining us. There will be an impressive, amazing, international best-selling novelist. Known for many things that I'm sure he will talk to you about, but mostly his uh, novel, adult science fiction, Excelsior, and one of its, uh, I mean, sorry, and its sequel, um, sorry, the uh, Ever Upward, it's the Excelsior book series novelist, George Soroy. Hello, George. Ha, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought broke my him. jokes were bad. <laughs> hello, well, hello! Thank you guys for having me. I we mm. couldn't be any happier uh, to have you. You are an impressive person. Oh, thank you. Um, you've written um, 
like I, I mentioned before, two uh, young adult sci-fi books. Yep, with well, a third on its way. Ooh, third on its way. You hear I, that? I, I am. I am promising my publisher that is, that is, that is happening. I I will definitely get that draft finished. I will get it sent out, and then we can get the ball rolling on getting that first one released because that is uh, that is part of our deal. So I am very excited about this. I'm uh, just very excited about what's to come. So, and I'm I'm very excited to read that final series in your trilogy mm -hmm. um along with um those two terrific books and the third one on the way mm -hmm. um george you also have a podcast a podcast not a podcast right not to confuse <laughs> but, a regular podcast. Uh, i believe that's called podcast excelsior the audio journey well, there's uh, there are there are a few things actually. There are uh, three different right. shows that that uh, that I'm that I'm affiliated with, as part of the Once Upon a Podcast Network. It's a podcast network that I co-founded with two other amazing amazing people, uh, Stacy Rourke and Sandra Shear Vizakerly. And what we have done with it, it's it. I'm I'm so excited about this about how this network has come together. My own show is called Excelsior Journeys. Um, it is a weekly interview show where I uh, provide a platform for creative people, both up and coming and established, and allow them to kind of share their journey to success. It's been an amazing run. It's been over 200 episodes so far. I'm on season seven. And wow. next month, next month will actually be five years that I've been doing it. Um, my pop culture show that is uh, that I just was able to um, start the setup as to make it part of this network is called from duck till dark outside the Marvel studios. And that is a um, it's a one person show, just me. And it is a celebration of all of the Marvel movies that are not part of the MCU. So it goes from 1986 is Howard the duck to 2019's Dark Phoenix. And um, now that it's become part of the network, there is some there are some more things that I would like to do with it in the future. But as of as of right now, the full series will be available on the Once Upon a Podcast network. Um, the third show that I just started up on the first weekend in September on Labor Day weekend is called Audio Drama Sunday Theater. And every month I will be showcasing a different audio drama. So if you are out there listening and you have a completed audio drama and you are able to post it on various platforms, by all means, please look me up. And you can find me at george at he's got it.com. So that way we can add to the uh, to the roster of different shows that are going to be that are going to be spotlighted there. And the first one is the audio dramatization of my first book, Excelsior. So that was that was a project that was done that was performed on Clubhouse this year. And it was one of the most creatively fulfilling experiences of my life. It, the the acting was superb by everyone. Um, it was such a it was such a wonderful like rush a, adrenaline rush of doing uh part one on march 12th and then part two on march 19th and all live and you get to hear parts one and part two um edited together as one big story on 
audio drama Sunday theater. So um, even when it's not Sunday, by all means, look it up. That's awesome. How was it? How was that experience seeing something that you've created in one um, medium? Yes, thank you. Uh, Created for an audio drama. How was that experience like for you? It was absolutely amazing. And it's something that I highly recommend every author out there do. I really believe that you need to you need to experience adapting your work to a different format. And that format needs to have restrictions because one of the things that we hear as, as I know Teresa can back me up on this when it comes to um, everyone that's, that's putting out their own books and saying that they have to be absolutely 100% a slave to that book. They have to make sure that, uh, that, that, uh, that they, every little bit of dialogue is, is up there on the screen. Every bit of action is up there on the screen and that's just not viable. Um, that would, if that were, if that were the case for the Harry Potter movies, then you would be having a four to five hour movie or so for that, just for that first book, not let alone what Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix, et cetera, would wind up being. So you definitely need to adapt your material to fit the medium that you're working for. Uh, one of the great things about doing this audio dramatization is I had restrictions. I was told that initially that it had to be in a one hour show. Thankfully, oh. it be, thankfully they gave another hour to it. So it wound up being two hours, but at the same time, it took seven hours to listen to that audiobook. So I had to take a story that was approximately seven hours long and condense it that much. And so it's easy to see why I could not possibly get it as a one hour show, but two hours was definitely viable, but those restrictions are what forced me to be creative with everything that I was doing. It forced me to kind of look back and say, okay, what moments are expendable? What, how, you know, like what's a better way, a more shortcut way for my character, Matthew, to get to where he needs to be. Um, and because there were more women auditioning than men, I was able to even take a couple of male characters and make them female. And one Good of them, job. That's what we like. And one of them in particular <laughs> wound up being, I think they were both great. Both um, Jackie Hume as Karini and Erica Harvey as what was, who was uh, Jason Peters is now JC Peters, J-A-Y-C-E-E. Oh, and she was magnificent. She was absolutely magnificent. I will sing her praises till the end of time. I will sing everyone's praises till the end of time. <laughs> Everyone who was involved in this show was a rock star. And even the people that only had a few lines, they brought every little bit to it. And they were excited because I told them that, you know, for all of those that, you know, that only had, you know, like a few lines or characters that didn't survive that first book, you're all getting first first dibs at the bigger characters that are going to be introduced in ever upward, which is part two. And cause I've already gotten the green light right. to adapt ever upward into an audio drama as well. That's awesome. Everyone had such a great time. That's awesome. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. Yep. 
super exciting. So from one drama to mm-hmm. uh, about, well, I mean, uh, not to spoil too much of your wonderful novel, but mm-hmm. about a character who really enjoys writing comics. Yep. To perhaps maybe the most famous comic book character who's getting his very own day mm-hmm. on September 16th. Uh, that's going to be Batman Day. Um, it's been announced that uh, your local comic shops are probably doing a special, whether I know they're giving out free, uh, like, well, free uh, Batman comic. And I know that the a lot of participating local theaters in your area are also running the very popular Christopher Nolan trilogy. Which and is what we we're going to discuss. Exactly. Nice. And with you having your, tri- uh, you working on your last uh, book in your trilogy on the Excelsior mm-hmm. series, yes, we thought it would be a good idea to uh, discuss this uh, probably most popular trilogy of the modern era. Uh, I would say so. And um, that and I Lord of the Rings. Very, yeah. Yes, that and Lord of the Rings. But I also think that that trilogy has had such a large where Lord of the Rings did spawn upon like a lot of fantasy tropes and a lot of fantasy movies. Mm -hmm. I feel like with 2008 culminating in the release of both Batman Begins and Iron Man in the very same year, Mm -hmm. we have definitely seen it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Sorry. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Batman Begins was two years before. (laughs) Yeah. Dark Knight. I really think it's changed so much the landscape of, of Hollywood, the landscape mm-hmm. of what movie theaters are operating, what they're interested in watching. So um, my first question to you, George, is uh, what did you think about the trilogy? Do you, what are your I, thoughts? I loved it. I, I, I truly did. And I still remember um, when Batman Begins came out in 2005. Um, my, I remember my friend Charlie Kessler and I going to the midnight screening at the AMC theater in, uh, in New York city. And when the credits started right at the very end, this was a Mm -hmm. sold out midnight movie screening. The eruption that came from the crowd was just amazing. It was such an amazing feeling. It was just like, granted, like this is, we're at that point, we are eight years past the last presentation of batman on the silver screen and that was batman and robin yeah yeah the the nate the the nadir of comic book movies um and you know and and this and this genre has gone through quite a few highs and lows um but man i mean granted you know 97 you know there it's it's funny that you know that everyone looks at like oh this is what killed comic book movies when it didn't because blade no. came out the very next year and yeah. and that's what really kind of revived you know in a sense just like all of a sudden just kind of allowed the genre just to take this hard turn and say like oh if we're actually faithful to these characters then right. people respond who knew and that's what and that's what <laughs> gave us and that's what gave us the the Marvel Renaissance that right. led, that led us to what would eventually be the MCU in 2008. But, um, and in 97, 97, you know, like, yes, Batman, you know, Batman and Robin was, you know, the epitome of bad comic book movies. But right. that year we also had steel. Nice to meet you. 
yeah we also we also had steel you know that same that same yeah year. yeah so it was not alone when it came to that no. granted you know like granted the stakes were a whole lot lower when it came to steel um but you also had but you know like yeah like i mean batman and robin was the epitome of bloat like it was it was right. warner brothers it was warner brothers putting their showing their hubris when it came to the comic book genre and basically just saying we want everything to be toyetic and i will give i will give credit to joel schumacher because the man is and or was you know he's he's since passed you know uh, sadly yeah. but um you know he's got some great work under his belt and he has made it flat he, he has made it very clear that he was there to do a job and he was yeah. there to give Warner Brothers what they wanted and he did and it just so happened that it was not what the public wanted thankfully um uh, what they wanted was Batman Begins but you don't get that until you go through the muck that is Batman and Robin it was that period from 97 to 2005 that was the cave in first blood because like once once you know you come out the other side you are fully reborn and that's exactly what batman was here so you had christopher nolan just delivering this amazing take on the character not fully realistic but at least like like in a hyper real kind of sense uh more reality based than the other than any other batman film that was out there and um, i also think the mcu took a lot of that especially the way like the design of batman a lot of the costuming i oh, think yeah. the mcu took a lot of that uh those aesthetics that christopher nolan used in his trilogy mm-hmm. and really because i don't think that they really went past reality until probably the middle of phase two, maybe phase three before they were like, let's really embrace the whole cosmic nature of comics. Let's really embrace how weird space can be. I think that they dip their toe in, they dip their toe in with Thor, but they were still like kind of playing it as a fish out of water and playing it more for laughs. But then once guardians hit, once Guardians of the Galaxy right. hit, then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, okay, now let's really have some fun. But you could tell, especially with that slate in, in, in um for phase one, yeah. that they took a lot of the aesthetic choices that um Nolan used with how it was more like about the military industrial complex and how mm-hmm. the suit wanted to be um used like I'm thinking about like Captain America's first suit in the MCU. Yeah how it was much more practical than it was like stylistic. And it was, and it was used as a prop, you know, he was sent around to go to the USO to all the different USOs. And then all of a sudden you had the, um, and then all of a sudden you had an instance where he had to go. He, he had to immediately, you know, lead a rescue operation. And then it was just like, and then you got something that, that was not only practical, Damn it! Looked good. That first that that first uniform from the first Avenger looks so good. Right, right. It does. It does. Yeah. Um. I I was so just while we have you, I had a couple of questions about. I, I had a similar experience as did Teresa. Um. With the, uh, Dark Knight series, as far as like seeing it, and then mm-hmm. so excited to rewatch it again in preparation for this. Yeah. 
Um, I was wondering, though, um, how did you feel about the overall arc of the series? The Arkham? The, uh, the Arkham. <laughs> the, the overall arc from getting, the series, again, yeah. as someone who's, who's going to be right, finishing the trilogy, how do you think that worked from uh, Bruce Wayne's Batman's arc all the way through to the other characters, you know, James Gordon's? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think, how do you think Christopher Nolan completed as someone who is, who writes and even does screenplays as yourself? Overall, I was very, I was very satisfied. I feel like, um, you know, the Dark Knight Rises was definitely the weakest of the three, but you gotta oh, have, we would agree. you gotta we have like the weakest of the three. Yeah. Um, you know, one of them, you know, kind of has to be, and and really, like the Dark Knight Rises was under so much pressure because it had right. to, it had to live up to the masterpiece that was the Dark Knight, and I and many people say, and I have to say I agree with them that the Dark Knight is if you have to pick one, the Dark Knight is the greatest superhero film of all time. I would agree with that. Would you agree with that? Teresa? I would, but I would fight it. You would fight it with. I you. would. I would fight it at first, but I. I think I would have to agree. Is yeah. it my favorite? No. Is it just good? Like just good? Like, well yes. Made, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. It, it doesn't have to be your favorite, but just yeah. understanding how well kind of made the whole is. Oppenheimer deal. It's not your mm-hmm. favorite. It's really dark, but it's mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole like thing online though about like what your favorite Christopher Nolan movie says about you. It says you mm-hmm. hate them. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is one of the big criticisms of Christopher Nolan. I think he's gotten it's a little okay. better you at it. It's okay. You won't hear me say that. I, but I'm just saying that. Um, yeah, I get it. Because they're woman. You can't hear women. <laughs> but that is one of the big criticisms I think of the 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 trilogy in general of how much of how poorly written a lot of the female characters are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, think... I, I can I can definitely see that. I I feel like um, there was I appreciated the fact that the setup for this trilogy was not the typical one that we see in a lot of other trilogies with the Matrix, with Back to the Future, with um, with um, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean, with um, with the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, they all kind of had the same sort of template, which is the first one introduces the character and creates a big victory so that just in case this story doesn't go any further, you right. have a beginning, middle and end. And yeah, even with even with even with the way that Batman Begins ended, you can still say it has a beginning, middle and end because, right. you know, it's it it fits that mold. Like it's exactly what it, it was meant to do. Batman begins. So he begins. It so began, they yeah. could basically just put it, you know, send it in any other direction they wanted. Um, and then you have the second film in a lot of those trilogies where it ends on some form of a cliffhanger where right. your character is in the biggest hole possible. And then part three, they spend the first third of that getting the characters out of that hole and then the rest of the movie is big battle to wrap it all up so i appreciated the fact that that he didn't go in that direction for this part three it was a new villain but at the same time it it worked as a trilogy and in as a as a trilogy capper by incorporating elements from part one i actually appreciated that the fact that um that the Joker himself was not mentioned at all 
Um, I just oh. love I I love that because like it it encapsulates that character, that performance, everything about him in that one single movie. He was a force of nature. He created. He was an agent of chaos, as he said. But then, you know, that last shot of him just dangling and laughing. Right. It's the last time we see him. It's the last time anyone hears about him at all. That I, in itself is haunting. I think, though, there, that Dark Knight Rises does have a, a Joker problem, though, because I think that that performance wound up becoming so big for the Dark Knight. And so iconic, yeah. And so iconic that I think Nolan felt that there was this need to either top it. And I think that there's definitely, as we talked about the 97 movie, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of overstuffing that happens in the in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I can see that. And there's there's not really one through, through line because there's so much going on. Because I mm-hmm. think that there was... So much. For, I remember. Uh, I remember going. I didn't see Midnight for Begins, but I saw Midnight for Dark Knight and then Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And I remember thinking that Dark Knight Rises is going to be the greatest movie that's ever existed in the history of time and space. Right. Because like because, it has to just keep going up because right. Batman Begins was was terrific, and then the Dark Knight was better. So this one's right. got to be better, right? Right. I, I knew that this was going to be a step down. I just knew it. You know, like and I then, just had this feeling, you know, I, I, I could not see Bane as I saw him as a threat. I loved what they, I loved what a lot of what they did with him. Yeah. yeah. He can't be the Joker though. Like, but he can't. Yeah. He, I'm, I'm, I was glad that he was not going in that direction. Me too. And, and I'm really glad also, that we Bane didn't is see. Likeable. Yeah. You know, like he, he's, he's got this, this, uh, this swagger to him. And he's yeah. got he like was, that backstory. You've got to root for him. Yeah. Um. So I don't know your circumstances when you went to go see The Dark Knight, but it was 2008. So I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe just graduated. I believe this was a summer blockbuster. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And so it's midnight. I've mm-hmm. never been a night person. I'm kind of, you know. An, oh yeah, is this your? An all yeah, an always ex- <laughs> an always exhausted pigeon sort of deal instead of the the early bird or the night owl. Mm -hmm. But what happened was my friends drugged me out. We went and saw it, midnight showing, first showing. Somehow Mm -hmm. I fell asleep. (laughs) And what wakes me up, but just crashing into the building, it was the first one. Mm Because I had told Mitchell, like, okay, I fell asleep during it, but something, like a crashing woke me up. And then we we kept trying to figure out which one is it. He's like, is it this crash? Is it this crash? Is it this crash? Because like they did that about ten more times during the film, and it made me yeah. laugh so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was, was... yeah, I I um yeah, both Batman Begins and The Dark Knight were both midnight premieres for me, and uh, when I saw it um, in two thousand eight, I was at the Lincoln Square, uh, Lincoln Center Theater. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, it's and not only that, but the Lincoln Center IMAX screen on 68th and Broadway. Um, so it was and and packed, you know, sold out crowd and everything. And that in itself was one of the greatest um, crowds that I'd ever gone to see a movie with because the the pencil trick. 
I'm gonna oh, make, yeah. I'm going to make this. Yeah. Also, disappear. the energy in that theater must have been yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was. Because, I mean, like, as soon as that happened, everyone was just like, wow. And, you know, like, everyone was freaking out. And then everyone just shut up. Like, everyone just shut down completely. It was just like. That's incredible. They, no one wanted to miss anything. And so it was just like, that's the, that's the sort of feeling to it. There was, like, this amazing tension Going through, yeah. When a silence washes over a room like that, it's everyone was just dialed in, and it just made it made the moment for me my my favorite scene. And I would put this in like you know top ten scenes of any film because I am a sucker. I am an absolute sucker for the main good guy, the main bad guy sitting down at a table and talking. I love love those moments i did a i did a sh- um a column from 2008 to, from 2004 to 2009 for this pop culture website called 411mania.com and it was called scene anatomy 101 and it each each um episode each column um i picked one specific scene and i dissected it just broke it down and everything in its script form and you know talked about like all these different moments that you know that really that really clicked right and it's something that I've actually been like considering um, kind of going, going back and maybe doing it in podcast form in the future. Um, oh. But uh, maybe, maybe for a national podcast post month challenge, who knows um, maybe like next year or something, because this year is already spoken for. Um, but <laughs> the, um, but what I did was, you know, um, I announced that um, that episode 200 would be my last one. And that was in January of 2009. And so for number 200, for the last one, I picked the interrogation scene. Yeah. Between, between Batman and the Joker. And it was... Now, did you always choose... Uh, did you always know you were going to stop at 200? And I, had feel, I had a feeling... Know, I had a feeling... I had a feeling I was like... just like, peace out, guys. Bye. Well, I, I was I was kind of feeling a little burnt out on it. I feel like you know it, oh, I was I was keeping up with the deadlines, you know, throughout right. that whole time. Um, so you, why did you choose that scene specifically? I just like I said, you know, like I'm a sucker for those kinds of scenes. So, um, so I love um, those moments where they just where there's this back and forth conversation between the protagonist and the antagonist. I love the tension that builds from it. I love the the when it's done right, the performances, the writing, everything. Uh, one of those that I uh, that I just recently watched um, for not the fir- not for the first time. I've watched it many times, but Young Guns Two, the scene between Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, I thought was oh. fabulous. Um, and it was just it was shot brilliantly. The two of them were just on point, both Emilio and William. And it was just really good. Just a really good, strong finish to that movie. Um, That's awesome. So, like, those, those kinds of things, like Heat. Um, you know, oh, Pacino, yeah. Pacino and De Niro. In the diner. In a, in a diner. And it's such a well-written Whoa. scene. And it's just like, and that is something, you want to talk about something that's earned. That's the first time that the two that of them meet. are on screen yeah. together? Yeah. Like that? It was just like, oh, And... and it, it's magic. Michael freaking when man, those, man. When those, mo- yeah, exactly, man. Like when those moments hit, damn, they're so good. So yeah. that's that's what I, that's one of the things that I truly love about the Dark Knight is that scene 
I I put that like I said easily in the it's top great. ten of greatest so scenes well of all time for me. Yeah, and I love the fact that the both philosophies are laid right out on the tour. The fact yep. that he's like, uh, you complete me. All of those little like, why would I ever? I want to kill you. Yeah, yeah. You're my bestie. I'm yeah. like, there's no me without you. It's what just would I like do without you. Go back to I know we don't mob dealers. No, no, no. <laughs> you. I know we don't have you. that much more time with us. You have to go, but I, I really wanted to ask these two specific questions for you. Yes. Yeah. So even if we could just rapid fire, mm-hmm. um, bring it on. So again, your readers are anticipating your third book for yes. this Excelsior series. Mm-hmm. What would you incorporate from things that you've learned either from other trilogies or specifically the Dark Knight trilogy? Like, how would you take the way the endings of trilogies? have traditionally been done and versus how you would like yours to be done um for for this one i've actually borrowed quite a bit from the dark knight rises um and it was um a lot of it is um the fact that um that bruce wayne is taken out of action the way that he is um Mm -hmm. if you were to kind of put my story and the dark Knight rises kind of like up against each other in terms of the timing for everything. Um, the way that, um, the, the placement for the scene between Batman and Bane down underground, um, when, when Bane breaks him, you know, and, right. um, that, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I was wondering which would break first. <laughs> um, yes. and, so the um that moment you know like when when he's broken i have something similar to that but not quite because okay one of one of the great things that i was really able to uh to work on one of the other one of the other movies that i that i have you know paid attention to quite a bit in terms of what not to do was spider-man 3 and oh yeah because <laughs> that was also, emo email yeah, matt in your book yeah, well, like I mean, I there are elements where, like, where Matthew does, you know, he he takes a darker path. He does take a darker path because of okay the way that the way that Ever Upward ends, it sets it up for that. Um, okay, because you know the um, the tagline for Part Three is two gods, one soul, and Whoa. so yeah, so there's a All lot right. of. There's a lot of battle within, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, battles within. And right. so um, so it was um, so it was it was it was really it was um, Spider-Man three was frustrating because there was oh, a yeah. lot of there was a lot of good stuff in there. But at the same time, it was just like, you know what? Just one more polish, one more polish yeah. on the script could have solved so many problems. Um, it would have given yeah. it would it would have given um, uh, Gwen Stacy something to do. It would have um, right. Yep. It would have it would have given um, the symbiote suit um, much more of a much more of a of a fitting introduction rather than just um, having him drop from space. I understand he was doing an homage to the Blob, but this is not the time for that. You know, right. You know, do those homages, you know, like so, you know, somewhere else, um, you know, and um, and this is for a God's great, sakes, great do- example of when the artist has to let some of it go. 
Yeah. Right. If they would just let some of it go, the work could benefit like you so mentioned, much. Having limitations yeah. yes. put on you. Yes, yeah. you want it all. These words are your babies. They're your darlings. You know what? Copy, pay, cut and paste it. Put it in another document. Use it later. Right. Never mm-hmm. throw yeah. it away like I do. And fits well, like rage, do what but... <laughs> you know, like you already have something that's already kind of set up with in Spider-Man Two. You have John Jameson. You have this right. character that they said was the first astronaut to play football on the moon. Well, have him discover it on the moon and bring right. it back as an artifact. And that artifact, you know, takes a liking to Peter. So it's just like, right. you know, just there are elements that are there, you know, so just Again, like all of those elements. And, of overstuffing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much. Last question. Yeah. Yeah. Double stuff. So, yeah. So no definitely. Stops. So not to not to, you know, skew toward that or anything. But at the same time, I would say um, there is quite a bit that I borrowed from the Dark Knight Rises. That's exciting. That I really liked. There were some things that I that I borrowed from Spider-Man Three that I felt like I could I don't want to say could do better, but I would do it. No, different. say it. You could. You, you probably can. <laughs> yeah, hell with it. Yeah, I can do them better. We got I'll be honest. We got yeah. uh, last thing I promise, and that's it. And you could be a ra- it could be a rapid fire. So you Go mentioned before in a couple of interviews that um or a couple of places that Hans Zimmer was an inspiration yes. during your writing process. Very much so. Yeah. I was wondering, what about either the score for The Dark Knight or maybe some of the other work was an inspiration for you for your writing process? Um, for Hans, actually, like, more of his thematic work is what really grabs my attention. Um, when I remember 15 years ago, uh, yeah, was it 15? Yeah. Um, no, 20 years ago. Wow. I'm old. Um, 20 <laughs> years ago, sitting in the theater watching the first Pirates of the Caribbean. And wow. wondering just like, you know, like who the hell did this music? I need to mm-hmm. own this. And it turns out Klaus, Klaus Bedell did it. And Klaus was a student of Hans. Of Hans That's yeah. why Hans like worked on him with it. And then Hans took over for parts two and three. Um, yeah. But um, so I am just like a sucker for his, you know, thematic work. And Have you ever listened no. to the Gladiator score? Yes. Oh, yeah. I love his Gladiator score. Barbarian Horde is such an amazing piece. Um, now, yes. is this and, the same music that you're listening to during your writing process, or do you have other music that you use for that? When it comes to the act, when to when I'm actually sitting down and writing it, I find myself actually getting more done when there's no music at all. Um, oh, however, I haven't really tried that. However, my ADHD brain needs like ten things going on. Well, yeah, you know, like I've I've noticed that you know, like I I've tried that. I've put like you know different movies on or something like that to have on in the background, and I'll do that. But just last night, when I decided to finally stop the um, stop watching the um, you know something that I had on in the background, and then I started, um, and then I started um, just. I just turned it off and just kept on going because I needed to get this part done. Um, I got it done faster. So I may just wind up doing that more. <laughs> um, it, it definitely I'm like, seems that makes like, sense, but it know, sounds sad. It does. <laughs> but it, well, here's the thing though, you know, like when it comes to the creation of the scene, the conception of the scene, that's all music. That is, I need to take a walk. And so I grab mm. my headphones and everything and I just walk around the block a couple of times and I'm listening to different scores and like, and sometimes like the right piece, there's a piece in the, the score for Transformers Dark of the Moon by Steve Jablonski, another Hans Zimmer acolyte. And yep. 
Um, it's a piece called It's Our Fight. And this, when I first heard this, when I first heard it in like album form and everything, I was like, this is the moment, right? You know, that's going to take place, you know, that's going to set up the big, uh, the big climax at the end of part three. Oh. And so I have this, this story completely outlined and I've gotten several chapters already done. I know how this is going to go. Um, and, but there, and there are certain pieces. I mean, I've put my own soundtrack for it together. Um, you know, like there is, there is so much that, that goes into it, you know, that, um, that I know that like, okay, so, um, you know, this scene, like right before it's our fight, I'm going to use Stern's lab from the incredible Hulk. Um, cause the Craig Armstrong score, I still say is the, is the greatest of all the MCU scores. Wow. Um, I, th- I think it's a tremendous piece of work. And my favorite and I, score, sorry, I mean to interrupt here. My yeah. favorite score is definitely easily the Captain America two with, um, Henry Jackson. all of, yeah, yes. Yeah. And because I think just the winter soldier, like vocal thing is so iconic the way it cuts through. Mm-hmm. That's it's my great. favorite score. It's just a because great, of how a, iconic is, that is. That is a great score. Civil War is a great score. Um, yeah, yeah. They they've they've really picked up their game. You know, in, yes. in terms of their scores. Um, and you know, like I I oh, I also love the score to Black Panther. Also, yeah, what Black we've Panther's been enjoying now, yeah. um, a little out there, but um, the score to Ahsoka has been wonderful. I I, I'm I'm behind on Ahsoka. I got to get myself caught up on it, but I'm caught up. I'm I'm so behind on a lot of you know the Star Wars uh, shows that are out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, They'll wait for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know. I'm sorry. I I don't want to. I know you gotta go. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining us in the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'd love to have you back on anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah this is, and this if is you ever want fun. us to hop over your way, we'd be happy to do that as well. Please. That'll be great. That'll be great. I <laughs> actually right, yeah. actually might be taking you up on that because I got a spot that I think needs filled. So oh, um, yeah, great. happy to fill it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. All thank right. You, you have guys. a wonderful day. You too. All right, bye. Bye. All right, again, we want to thank George Soroy for joining us today. Such a fun interview. Go check out all of his stuff. Make sure you follow, like, subscribe, because that's really the lifeblood of all of this. Yeah, it is George Soroy almost anywhere I've seen? That's George J G E O R G E S I R O I S. And then again, um, it's he's got it dot com, www dot he's got it dot com. Um, Best website name. He also has a bunch of podcasts to follow, uh, which the we already mentioned. Once upon a podcast network on the once upon a which he had co-founded. He talked about that as an interview. So please follow everywhere he can. Um, and again, thank you. For listening, this is probably going to be our longest episode to date, which is still great. You know that you guys have listened all the way this far. Um, we appreciate it. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe anywhere you can find us. And where can they find the podcast? All right, you know the deal. So we're on Spotify. We've, we're on everything else except for Apple. We're trying to figure that out. 
Apple keeps playing with me about verifying the Apple ID. And then it's like, no, it's a restricted now because they're like, bitch, you don't have an iPhone. And I'm like, I know, but I just want to put my podcast there. And they're like, Apple supremacy. So, yeah, that's our last kind of last hurrah we're going to get on Apple. Um, you will find us on TikTok, Facebook. You will find us on Instagram. And I do have a link tree that I post everywhere. It makes it very convenient for you to just get any sort of um, find us where we are at. Um, again, anywhere, anywhere you do stuff, a podcast 23 or a podcast question mark exclamation point. Those are the two variations that have been used. Some places don't allow special text, so that's when the 23 comes to play. Um, and yes, please, please, please follow us and uh, keep on giving us those five-star ratings. We're up to 200 subscribers, which is share, great, but we want to keep going. Share with everyone that you possibly can, because this right now is the most critical point in our podcast. We just hit one month. This is our one-month anniversary. And we want to make sure we keep building the audience. We keep wanting to generate the content that you, the listener, wants to be able to hear. In order for us to do that, we need to make sure that we keep our visibility uh, open. We want to make sure that we can reach as many people as possible. So you guys make it happen. And again, here at a podcast, we are very, very focused on staying connected with you guys. I don't see a level in which we would stop like talking to our fans because that's the whole point. Right. It's building community of people who like the same things that you do. And so if there's any ever like you want us to watch your favorite show, shoot us a message. We'll watch your favorite show. Where can they email us at? They can email us at a podcast twenty three at gmail dot com. And we check that constantly. Um so yes, if you have any show suggestions, ideas, if you're a creator or an artist that would like to be on our podcast, please reach out to us. We'll you reach out to you. must answer these riddles three, but after that, it's smooth sailing. There's no riddles. Yeah. Um, I guess I just want to shout out to my mom, your mom, everyone's mom. This is a shout out to mom. Uh, sometimes dad. Good job, mom. Um. Okay, so for dad, I have to just like go take his phone, put it on, push play, and then I think he's just too lazy to turn it off, so he's just like, okay, I'll listen. (laughs) So that's that one. (laughs) Um, thank you so much to those the new people that have come, who've been with us in the beginning, people that have waited several weeks to listen, and then they're listening now. Um, so much fun. Yes, it's even, the best part of our week. Even if like we're tired or we don't feel good or we've had twenty technical issues and we just kind of like, ugh, you know, you got to do something and just ugh. And then I start it and all of that melts away and I just have the most fantastic time every time. Yes, it gets the energy up. It's so much fun. So much fun. So again, thank you for all of that. We really appreciate you. Um. Yeah, I guess that'll be it for me. Uh, again, thanks again to George Thoroy for joining us. Um, and uh, thank you. Uh, this is Mitchell Regan saying goodbye. This is Teresa Stoddard 
See you next Tuesday.